things out this week and get ready for our break next week, Lord, that we would remain diligent in our learning and diligent in our schoolwork, uh, giving you all of the glory uh, for all that we do. Uh, Lord, as we, uh, as we talk about the state today and the role of the civil government, Father, I pray that you would uh, give us understanding to understand your word clearly and to be able to apply it in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so last week we talked about the sovereignty of the state and what its proper role should be in Christian society. And we talked about some of the abuses and the tyranny that comes along with a civil government believing that it is the ultimate sovereign on the earth. Uh, We also talked about how our modern civil government at the state and local levels by and large think they're the Messiah, and it is through them that the world will be saved. Uh, And they primarily take unjust positions of sovereignty by war and by welfare. And so this week we're going to talk about the state and discipline. State and discipline. So every law order, whether they think they're the Messiah or not, uh, relies on the self-government of the people being governed. Right? Do you know what I mean by self-government? It seems pretty self-explanatory, right? Making your own rules. What? Making your own rules. No, that is exactly not what it is. <laughs> That's okay. Well, governing yourself means that you know you understand that um, you understand the laws of uh, what the law of God says. And you, on your own, obey it. You don't need mom and dad at every little twist and turn in your life saying, did you do this? Did you do this? Be sure to obey this. Obey, you know, we don't have that. We, we, uh, we must uh, govern ourselves, right, by God's law. Yes? It's like a tree when you um, have, like, a stick attached to it, and then it grows, and you take a stick off eventually to keep it What do you upright. mean? Oh, right. Oh, like a trainer. Like a, um, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what your parents do for you, you know, in the beginning of your lives. You know, they're the ones telling you, you know, to whenever it's time to eat lunch, hey, you need to eat your lunch and not, you know, throw the food at your brother or sister. By this age, hopefully, you know not to do that, right? You don't throw food at each other in the, at, the, at the picnic table, right? Not by and large. You mostly want to eat your food. And how did that happen? How come your parents aren't like here with you right now beside you saying, you need to listen to Pastor Scott. You need to listen to Pastor Scott. He's talking to you. You need to listen. You need to pay attention. Why? Because you are governing yourselves. You're doing it yourself. And that's what any uh, civil government, family, and church needs from its people. It's no way, there's no way any of these uh, governments are going to work without the people governing themselves at some level. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, now, the Messianic state can't admit to this. They can't admit that, well, uh, the only way we can actually operate is if people govern themselves. They will never say that. Uh, To them, every wrong has to be made good. Every crime has to be punished. Think about this. In, in our civil government, how many, how many laws do you think are broken and nobody really knows about it? Probably a bunch. Yeah, a lot, a lot. But the state, the messianic state, the state that thinks they're the Messiah, they cannot admit that these sorts of things happen. Um, because they, and, and they try to remedy that. 
No law shall be broken without us knowing about it. So what do they do? They make public policies. They make uh, code enforcement bureaucracies. All of these, all of these sorts of things uh, because they are trying to punish every single crime. That's the position of the Messianic state. Salvation by law. But how many of us know this is impossible to do? No civil government, no family, no church can do all of that. They cannot punish every single sin or breaking of the law that happens. Um, but they don't want to admit that, right? And, but who, who does see and punish everything that a person does? Huh? God and God alone. Yeah, because he is the Messiah. Yeah, he is the sovereign. The state doesn't want to admit that because they believe they are the sovereign. And so, <clears throat> uh, so this is impossible to do in a world of sin and in a world of limited resources and rebellion. We can't hire enough IRS agents to watch every single, what every single business does with its money to ensure that it's doing things correctly. It's not possible, although they're trying to, Right. And so the state's officials then, if this is impossible, they have to pick and choose which laws and which sectors of, aside, of society to crack down on, right? They have to decide, well, if we can't enforce all of the laws, we, we need to decide which laws are, will need to be enforced. We need to figure out which violators are going to be prosecuted, which crimes are intolerable. And so decisions like these must be made by every agent of the government, public or private. So some law order must be imposed. It has to happen. Yet no law order can be imposed by an outside authority against the wishes of its protected citizens. All right? So this brings us to a really important point. This is super important. So if a law order is not enforced by self-government first and foremost, then it cannot hope to persevere. A law order will not persevere. It will not last if... Its people cannot self-govern at some level, okay? So any law order that has no enforcement mechanism isn't a law order, right? So you understand what I mean by a law order? Like our, our, our nation has a set of laws or the city of Lafayette has certain laws. Um, and uh, let's, say uh, let's say there's no police. There's no enforcement of the law. How long do you think that law order is going to last if, if there's no enforcement of the law? Not very long. Not very long. So uh, the, law, the law order of the land, the people, the, the civil government has to depend upon its people to self-govern, but they also have to have some enforcement uh, for those who uh, want to and, don't, and lack that self-government to keep the law on their own, right? So we need the police, to govern and to enforce the law to some degree. Uh, it's not only the civil government, the family does too. Who enforces the law in the family? Huh? Yeah, the husband, the father, the head of household. Right. Um, <clears throat> what about the, uh, the church? The church has a mechanism of enforcing the decisions of the church authorities. Who does that? The elders, the pastors, yeah. So, and what do they do? They, get, they administer church Discipline, exactly, discipline. And so whenever the police arrest a, a bad guy, an evildoer, someone who's broke the law, they're uh, enforcing, they're using civil discipline. 
And the same thing in the family. When a child disrespects or disobeys uh, himself or, 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 I'm sorry, disobeys a father or a mother, um, what happens? There's family discipline, okay? But the point is, is that all of these spheres must have self-discipline. Has to happen, okay? This school would not even be able to thrive and survive without self-discipline, right? What if none of you guys were self-disciplined? I'm not talking about just you. I'm talking about all the student body. We couldn't even get them to school. They would just be jumping out the cars on the way. Like, no, no school. Like, I couldn't get y'all to even stay inside and sit in a desk. Y'all would be outside roaming around. Forget school. You know, that, but you guys are sitting here. I haven't had to coerce you. I haven't, oh, don't, don't do it. Uh, I haven't had to pull your, pull your arm or, uh, you know, m- sit you in a chair or tie you down. Why are you here? Because of self-discipline. Right. That's the only way any law order can survive. Um, and the Bible provides us with the first principle of a law order. And it's in Proverbs 1.7. Says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Job twenty eight twenty eight. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. I got one more for you. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Says the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So God-fearing self-government, that's the first step in any uh, government in a Christian society. It has to start with self-government. It's the moral obligation of parents to teach their children all of God's law. Um, It was also required in Israel that once every seven years, the whole law was read before the congregation of Israel. That's Deuteronomy 31. So the terms of God's peace treaty, remember I keep talking about a peace treaty every week. Uh, that, I'm gonna, we're going to keep that theme going. So the terms of God's peace treaty with men are to be known by everybody. That's why the law was read every seven years. And, and this is going to mark the external victory of God over Satan in time and on earth. When, when, imagine in the future when no man will have to teach his neighbor the law of God. Because the law of God will be universally understood by everybody. You know that's a real promise? Like the Bible says that's going to happen. Hebrews 8, 11 uh, says these things. And, and in the Old Testament it says these things too. Yeah, one day everybody's going to know the law of God. Everybody will be able to gov- not only govern themselves, but govern themselves according to God's law. Because they'll know the law of God. It'll be written on everybody's hearts. That'll be a wonderful time. Um, and although we, in the future we'll still need police, we definitely won't need as many of them because people will be obeying God's law on their own uh, by, the, by the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, <clears throat> here we go. That's, I found the passage. I said the Old Testament. I'll give you exactly where in the Old Testament. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four. It says this, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and, te- and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. That's a great promise. That's a promise that, that's why we exist as a school. We want to teach and help parents teach their kids the law of God. So that one day, uh, you know, 40 generations from now or whenever, 
Uh, each one in the world will know the Lord and know his law. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great stuff. Um, <clears throat> so here's another uh, characteristic of, uh, of civil government and of all government in a Christian society. Uh, the enforcement of God's law has to be decentralized. The enforcement of God's law must be, by necessity, decentralized. That means it can't have a big uh, central bureaucracy, central government running everything. It has to be decentralized. Um, so in the church, uh, in an offense against someone who's been sinned against, they have to be taken by the victim to the guilty party, right? So from there, if let's say somebody has a complaint against somebody else in the church, if it's uh, if the complaint isn't satisfied, let's say you go from one to another, someone sins against you, and they don't hear your complaint, uh, and they're not willing to make it right. What happens after that? It's carried up the church's institutional chain of command, right? According to Matthew 18, and so what goes on in the church, that idea of an appeals court, that's supposed to happen in the civil government too. So when the burden of providing personal judgments for everybody uh, falls on one person, it's not going to be effective. Not everybody's going to get the justice that they need. That happened with Israel. Uh, the judgments for all the people of Israel in the wilderness grew to be too much for Moses to handle effectively. Right? And because of that, uh, his, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, came to him and said, this isn't good for you. Imagine, you know, there's millions of people in the nation of Israel, but there was only one judge. Isn't that crazy? That's like um, six million. I'm trying to think of a, a good amount of people. Like, there's over a million people. That's like probably a little bit smaller than New Orleans, like the whole city, Right? Uh, imagine all of those people, and you know there's going to be some disputes. You know there's going to be some legal issues. Somebody's not going to pay their bill on time to somebody else. And imagine there only being one judge to judge for everything, all of the uh, issues that are going on in, like, the city of New Orleans. I don't want to hear all of this. <laughs> well, not only do I not want to hear all this, I can't hear all of this. There's not enough time in the day for one person to hear all this stuff. So what do you think happens with the people who are dealing with these disagreements? Do you think their case ever gets heard? No, it doesn't. It'll never get heard. Uh, you know, well, I'll see you in about five years. It'll never happen. And so that's what was going on in Israel. And Jethro said, this isn't a good solution. Like, you're going to get worn out, and all of, uh, all of the people, they're not going to get effective justice. The civil government is not going to work this way. So he said, Moses, he said, you need to teach them the ordinances of God and you need to show them the way that they have to walk and the work that they have to do, right? And so here's, this is the first step. You have to convince the people of their responsibility before God. That's what Moses had to do. And you have to give them the standards of self-evaluation in order to, for them to govern themselves correctly, right? And what is that standard? Israel was shortly given this uh, just before all of this stuff started happening, Mount Sinai, thunder, lightning, what, what was Moses given? The Ten Commandments, which is a summation of God's law. Exactly. That's the standard. So you, you have to govern yourself according to God's law. That's step one. Step two, uh, 
Jethro told Moses that he said that he was supposed to appoint, he need, you need to appoint honest men over the people to try, to, uh, what I mean by try, like trial, like to judge individual cases. You need to spread your workload out. You need to diversify the labor. And so you need to uh, get honest men uh, over the people to try the individual cases. And so that the whole population of Israel, they don't have to go to one man for judgment. Okay? So get the division of labor operating in the field of judicial law. And so uh, that started happening in Exodus 18. And Moses agreed with Jethro, and the system of the hierarchical judges was established. Now the judges started. And so here it is. Here's the pattern. So uh, law at the top, self-disciplined men at the bottom and a system of appeals courts in between. That's the biblical pattern for discipline in the civil sphere. Every civil government should operate this way in a Christian society. city of Lafayette should operate this way. The state of Louisiana should operate this way. Federal government, so on. You know, you have the law at the top, you have the, and you have the self-disciplined people at the bottom, and then you have the appeals courts in between. Right? You ever wonder why the court, the Supreme Court is called Supreme? Well, they think they're God now, but that wasn't always the idea. Because they are the highest appellate court. What does appellate mean? They're the highest appeals court. So there was, this system is still in place in the United States. Where do you think they got all that from? The Bible. That's where they got it from. And so you got to have that. You got to have the law at the top, self-disciplined people at the bottom, and, the, and uh, appeals courts in between that. And so the whole system of civil government, that rests on the assumption that the men of society fear God. you got to have that first. If, if you don't have a society that fears God, I don't care how put together your civil government is or how biblical its structures are. It's not going to work. Why? Because if the people aren't self-governed, there's no way you can try every single case or see every single crime or sin that every single person commits when they're committing it. You can't see it. It's not possible. And so <clears throat> instead of going to court, you know, if you have a problem with someone, you're just going to hold them up at gunpoint and say, give me my money. Uh, so they're not self-disciplined. That'll never work. Okay? Um, the biblical pattern for discipline in the civil government assumes that men are willing to accept the judgment of other men. Because both the judges and the judge are striving faithfully to conform to the requirements of biblical law. Okay, that's what's supposed to happen. I'm giving you all a vision here of what this is supposed to look like. Okay, so that maybe one day y'all can, by your part, make uh, revive this and reform this. Okay, um, <clears throat> obviously pagan states aren't striving to impose biblical law, right? So what is the Christian supposed to do when a command of the pagan authority comes into conflict with the commandments of God? We talk, I think we talked about this last week. Well, obviously, yeah. Who are we to obey rather than men? God. Right. So Peter laid this principle down in Acts. So what a Christian has to do when he's considering whether a law is just or not, he, remember, he wants to govern himself under God's law. I want to obey the Lord by obeying the law. But these pagan authorities, are. I think they're telling me to do something that's antithetical to your law. God, but and you also told me earlier to submit to them. So what do I do? Uh, is this law just or not? 
So a Christian has to decide these things sometimes. Um, they have to decide whether a law is just or not and to determine whether a particular law of the state is directly threatening his position as to who he is. Who he is. Like he's an ambassador of God's invading kingdom. So is this law getting in the way of that commission or is it not? Okay, so this is where the other authorities besides the civil government are important. Let's say the civil government acts like a bunch of tyrants and they're trying to control you and rule you uh, by getting you to disobey God in some way. Uh, Well, uh, this is why God gave the other uh, authorities as well, the other spheres. And what are the other spheres? We have the civil, we have the, the church, and we have the... Yeah, the family and the, uh, the church. The, yeah, those are the other uh, authorities, right? So the Christian needs to be able to, like, let's say you, let's say you get stuck in this decision. Like, I, I need to figure out whether this law is just or not. Well, the Christian needs to be able to appeal to, first of all, the Bible, right? If the Bible says that, oh, well, you, it's definitely not allowed to do this, then I, I can't do this. So he needs that. Uh, first and foremost, he needs also to be able to appeal to the elders in the church. That's where the elders in the church can help out with that a lot. They can give you counsel and advice as to what to do. And uh, lastly, he needs to appeal to the civil magistrates at the, lo- at the local level who is going to either recommend or not recommend resistance to the, c- the central government. So let's say the federal government is requiring you to do something that you know is immoral. Okay, <clears throat> you need to first of all ask. Go into the Bible, Lord. Is what you is this uh, strictly forbidden in Scripture? Okay, it is. Let me take this to the elders just to make sure I'm interpreting this correctly. Okay, I'm interpreting this correctly. The elders say yes. That this is this is prohibited by Scripture. You should not, you know, cheat on. These business, I don't know. I'm trying to make up a law that uh, the federal government like would make you do that's antithetical to God. Um, you know, or or the federal government is telling you as a business that you have to hire uh, known homosexuals uh, in your business. Let's do that one. And like, well, I can't do that. And they say, well, if you don't do that, we're going to shut your business down or we're going to arrest you. Let's say we're further down the road in this, ter- in this tyranny. And so what do you do? Well, you go to the Bible. Oh, well, the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality. But, you know, does it, does it condemn me hiring homosexuals? Okay. I, I need to ask. I need to get more counsel. The Bible does say it, but, but it may not say it explicitly. So I need help. So you go to your elders. And the elders say, no, you, you don't. If, if this directly affects like your job and your witness for Christ in the world through your business, then you cannot hire a known like, homosexual who's just you know, flagrant with it uh, like that to, uh, at the business. Okay. All right. Well, they say, I can't do that. All right. Good. Um, and then let's say, well, okay, the church accepts this. The church says, no, don't do it. The Bible says, no, don't do it. And then, all right, lastly, will my local government support me in this? The federal government, way up here, says I need to do it. But will my local government say, no, you don't have to do that, and we're going to, we're going to back you up uh, for this, and we're not going to arrest you? Uh, 
so those are the, the qualifications and things you have to look for in deciding whether to obey or disobey a law given by the pagan state. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Um, and John Calvin called this the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. They, like you go to the local magistrate and they will, if they're godly, they'll defend you. And they'll say, no, you don't have to obey that law that the Washington, D.C. wants you to. Okay, this is really, really important. Y'all might have to be faced with things like this one day. Maybe not anytime soon, but, you know, 20, 30 years from now, depending on how much, uh, how much more the Lord is going to judge us for our apostasy. So <clears throat> the individualistic, autonomous resistance to the civil magistrate by the Christian isn't allowed. Y'all know what I mean by that? Like you just say, you know what? The, the, pagan, the, the pagan's telling me to do this. I'm just not going to do it. You haven't consulted the scriptures. You haven't talked to your pastor or your elders. You haven't talked to the local magistrate. You just decide on your own, I'm not going to obey the state. I'm not going to obey them. Do you get to do that as a Christian? No, you do not. You do not get to take matters into your own hands to see uh, if, if you see the civil government acting unjustly. We're not vigilantes. We're not anarchists. Uh, we're not Batman. We can't just randomly decide what's right or wrong and then fight or not fight depending on what we want to do. No, we, we don't get to decide the standards here. We're not revolutionaries. We don't start revolutions. We start reformations. And the only way we start reformations is by doing everything that the Bible says, including having to figure out whether a law is just or not. Okay? And because if you act like a revolutionary and you just, you know, do things on your own and say, no, I'm not going to obey that law, uh, just because Romans 13, 2 says, it tells you what's going to happen to you. It says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. So you're going to get judged for acting like a vigilante. Do what? They're coming for you. Right. Well, God's coming for you. <laughs> if, you, if, you disobe, if you disobey uh, the government and don't submit to them, uh, if you don't submit to them on biblical principle. Okay. So this is a serious warning. So before you resist the civil, uh, civil authorities, uh, before you, you know, wear the don't tread on me shirt with the snake on it, uh, you better have scripture, your elders and the local magistrates backing you up. And if you don't have those other institutions agreeing with you, then you have to submit to the central authority. We're not a bunch of anarchists. That's not what, that's not what Christians do. Okay. Uh, modern governments these days, they try to prejudge the courts by regulatory agencies ran by bureaucrats. Uh, they try to enact positive law on the society. I talked about positive and negative law last week. Can anybody give me a quick review on that? I talked about the railing around the roof of your house. Uh, Addie? Uh, like, uh, the positive law is you should, you should put a railing on your roof so nobody falls off of it. Not only you should, you must. You must, so no one falls off of it. And if you don't and someone falls off of your roof, then you're held accountable. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of it. The, the, the positive law says that you must put the railing around so that no one falls off. Well, the negative law says, hey, we're going to recommend that you do put a railing around your roof. We're not making you. I can't. The civil government's not forcing you to. But if somebody falls off that roof, like we're going to hold you accountable for their death. 
right? So there, you see the difference? Positive law makes a law to try to uh, save people from potential falls and issues. Negative law says, well, you can govern yourself, but if this person falls off the roof and, kill, and you know, they get killed, we're blaming you, and you're going to be held accountable for it. Okay, so most governments, modern governments these days, you, the way they uh, administer law is positively. They're trying to keep everybody safe in the name of safety, right? Uh, regulatory agencies are everywhere in the federal government and in the state government, and they're operated not by Exodus 18 men, right, who are honest, who love God, who don't take a bribe. No, these regulatory agencies are operated by bureaucrats, um, and uh, who um, think they uh, think they have all the power in the world because they have an endless money supply going to them, so they can uh, give all sorts of positive laws to control people. Right? Nin- I know y'all are reading 1984. 1984 is nothing but positive law. Nothing but positive law. You sh- must not do this. You must not do this. You must not do this. You must not do this. Or this will happen. This will happen. This will happen. We want society to be safe. We want society to be secure. In other words, we, we want society to be controlled. So that's the, the, the problem with positive law, is it takes your ability to govern yourself away. And that's give unbiblical. Us huh? Now give us all your guns. Yes, give us all your guns so no one gets hurt. Instead of, yes, you can have a gun. Uh, uh, you know, you can kill, you can hunt, you can, you can defend yourself. Uh, but if you shoot somebody with that gun, either negligently or on purpose, you will be held accountable for it. That's the difference between positive and negative law. The po- that's a great example. Positive law is like, all right, everybody, you just give me all your guns up front. Just, we don't know what you're going to do. You can't be trusted. You can't, you can't be trusted to govern yourself, so give it up. In other words, we want to control you, and we don't want any sort of pushback, so give me your guns, right? So that's the problem with positive law, and positive law is everywhere in our modern government right now. Um, The laws in a Christian society, this is super important too, uh, the laws in a Christian society should be understandable by all men, and those men should be held responsible for obeying them. That sounds reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. How many of y'all have ever, like, uh, well, maybe none of y'all have, but have y'all ever, like, uh, listened to a trial or read a law book, like, randomly? Can you understand anything that's being said in those law books often? Why do you, why do you think you need a lawyer so much? Because they're the only ones that can understand legalese to be, able to, to be able to fight for you and defend you in a court of law. That's not how law should be. The law should not be so uncomprehendable and so confusing with all of these twisted words and all of this jargon to where a, a common man can't understand them. How are you going to obey the law if you don't understand it? Right? Is the law in the Bible difficult to comprehend and understand? No, it's really not. It's really not. If you take time to read it and understand it, it's really not. Um, so laws in a Christian society should be understandable by all men. And, and that way they can be held responsible for obeying the law. And the Bible teaches us that self-government is the only way any civil government is going to expect to retain order and freedom at the same time. So when central governments get too powerful, 
when they attempt to redeem every area of life by all of these crazy, complex, formal laws, then what they do is they produce paralysis and, and anarchy in a society. Okay? Uh, the central, you know, central government can't understand the society, and the members of that society can't understand the civil government's laws. Uh, that's what happens when you uh, make the law so complicated, so complex, so outside the scope of the Bible, where nobody understands it. Um, so whenever that happens, the central government can't understand the society, and the members of that society can't understand the, the laws. Um, and when that happens, both order, which is what the civil government wants to bestow, order, and freedom are destroyed. Freedom is what the people want freedom to be able to govern themselves. Both of those things are destroyed. Order and freedom is destroyed when you have legalese in your law books. Okay? Uh, the state becomes tyrannical, uh, becomes unpredictable, and it becomes arbitrary. Um, and then what happens whenever you have a state that's tyrannical and unpredictable and arbitrary? You have some people that, you know, are sheeple and just like, yeah, we'll do whatever you say. But what about some other people way out in the woods in Idaho? What are they doing? Getting ready, take it back. Let's take back the government. You know, you, then you have uh, uh, aspects of the civil of the people that are become hostile to the civil government, and they're going to become lawless and rebellious to all of established authorities, not just the civil government. And so, we both have responsibilities in this covenant. The civil law, has, the civil government has responsibilities, and the people that they covenant with have responsibilities. Um, so that means the regulations and the bureaucracies have to stop. Okay, um, we need laws that are understandable by the people, not so complicated that you need to hire ten lawyers to read it and understand what it means. Right? Uh, have y'all heard uh, recently like all of these big laws that go in the Congress and and uh, you know whenever the representatives get them, like the laws are in this binder that's like three thousand pages. Why do you think? What do you think's up with that? Yeah, there's so much fine print in there, and there's so many other bills that some of these guys try to pass along with the big one. They know the big one, the big bill is going to be passed by everybody. They're going to like that, but they, they stack all these other little bills inside of the big one in order to get what they want. And oftentimes, these laws are not beneficial to society. I mean, are you going to sit there and read a 3,000-page uh, bit of legislation? Uh, in your spare time, just to try to... How do I obey the law? Here, read this. <laughs> no, you... Do I? And that's one law. And that's just one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you could fill up, you know, 20, 30 schools this size with law books as to all the laws that are on the books right now. Um, and how do we know what to do? How do we, how do we know we're going to be obeying the Lord rightly by obeying the laws of the civil government if we can't even read all the laws? That's a huge problem. So you have people that just get sick of this, and they're just like, no, I'm not obeying any of your laws. That's not right either. That's not what we're supposed to do as Christians. So, but we do have to work for reformation. Okay, moving on. Um, according to Scripture, the state has the power of the sword. What does that mean? Huh? They can punish. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. They can punish just anyone. Who can they punish? Evildoers. That's right. Evildoers. 
Yeah, and the state has the power. Why do you think? Why do you think the Lord chose that word, the sword? Couldn't he just said like the paddle, or the spanking spoon? Huh? That's exactly right. It's, this isn't a chastising. The, the, the government is not a disciplinary organization. Who does the disciplining? You're supposed to be your family and, and the church to some in the church too. So the sword is represents what? Ultimately. When you use a sword, what are you trying to do somebody? You're trying to kill them, not murder them. You're trying to hopefully not murder them. You're trying to kill them, right? And so the state has the power to use that sword to kill citizens legally and under the authority because they broke the law. Okay? Now they don't always use the sword. Uh, but that is one, that's one thing they are uh, authorized to do. If someone murders someone else and it's been proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that this guy murdered this other guy or this guy murdered his family or something just heinous, uh, the civil government has the authority to put him to death. Do you have the authority to put anyone to death? No, you don't. The civil government does. So that's why the, the word sword is used. Because they have the, the authority, the only ones that have authority to punish evildoers and, and execute criminals. And by the way, capital punishment is demanded by the Bible. Don't listen to anyone that says otherwise. Okay? Uh, the state has no options. Uh, by man's blood must blood be shed. You know, if, if someone kills someone else, if they spill blood, then their blood must be spilt. That's civil government 101. Um, and once the crime has been determined, like if uh, the civil government found out, okay, this happened, and the criminal has been convicted, this guy did it, then the state has to render the proper sentencing. Okay? Um, that's uh, fundamental. Uh, another fundamental principle of biblical law that's lost these days is restitution. Restitution. What's restitution? Daddy? Or. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, compensation for the crime. Right. Or, or what's been lost. Yes? And a little extra. And what? And a little extra. That's right. That's for the trouble. Yeah, the victim has to be compensated. Because so, the goal is full restoration, uh, plus a penalty to compensate the victim for his trouble. And it's also to serve as a deterrent against future criminal behavior. If, if people find out that the civil government is serious about... Uh, about rendering verdicts and about justice being served, do you think they're going to be quite as uh, quick to do the crime? Mm -hmm. No, they're not. They're not. They don't want to have to pay the victim back uh, what, not only what they stole, but you know, five times the amount. They're not going to want to do that. So it's going to help deter future criminal behavior. Um, so that's, that's the state's job. It's not the state's job to save men from damnation, okay? That's what the state's trying to do right now. They're, trying to, they're tyrannical. They think they're the Messiah. They're trying to save men from damnation. Uh, it's not their job to do that. Whose job is it to do that, ultimately? God. It's God's, ultimately, right. But, but who has the keys to the kingdom? The church does, that's right, the church does. And who's responsible for the education of their children with, with, with good news that will save them from damnation? The family, right. 
The stage job is neither of those things. The stage job is to make godly behavior possible in a world in which the criminal element is restricted and almost completely eliminated. Now, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this big vision of Christian society, and, I, and I'm making it sound pretty grandiose. And it's going to be a wonderful thing in the future. But uh, you think it'll be absolutely perfect? Like even the height of Christendom, like do you think it was absolutely perfect? No, no, we, we, can't, uh, we can't expect absolute perfection. When, when the Lord comes back and when the Lord uh, totally renews us and the resurrection comes, then we can expect absolute perfection. But as long as sin is and death is alive in this world, um, we, can't have, uh, we can't have unrealistic expectations. But at the same time, we shouldn't attempt to achieve perfection by constructing this massive state which promises perfection. That's what our state's trying to do. It's trying to make us perfect. If we can put enough laws on the books and if we can control the people enough, we can make them perfect. By what standard are we making them perfect? That, well, it's our own man-made standard. But it's still a standard nonetheless. They want perfection. Um, and, and, and look, as a Christian society, it's okay to aim at that goal. But uh, and the government should aim at that goal, but not at the expense of biblical law, which warns against the total sovereignty of any human institution. Okay? So biblical social peace reduces the law-abiding man's costs of dominion. All right, how much more time do we have? We have a little bit more time. Um, let's see. I'm going to be able to talk about important things here. Let's wrap up with a review, and then we'll, we'll stop. Uh, the civil magistrate is an off officer established by God for the restriction of evil, and the proper standards of the civil law are found where? In the Bible. Men are to obey the civil magistrate except in cases where it would be immoral to obey and where support for resistance have been obtained from the other spheres, meaning the Bible the lower civil magistrates, and the elders of the church. We're not allowed to be anarchists, okay? Men are to obey for conscience' sake. Okay, proper civil government is hierarchical, and so there should be a system of courts that enforce the law by trying specific cases that are brought to them. And the civil magistrate is supposed to proclaim the terms of biblical law to everyone in an understandable way. And so that they can conform themselves to its standards. Uh, the political goal should be self-government, not the rule of bureaucrats. Uh, the goal should be universally proclaimed. It should be universally understood. Um, not the rule of le legislation that nobody understands. Uh, the goal is not to create an army of lawyers that speak legalese and then obey. Right? In order to obey the laws that we have on the books right now, each of us will have to become a lawyer to do it. Uh, there's a lot of other things that need, need doing instead of being a lawyer. So that shouldn't be happening. Okay? The state is not an agency of salvation. Uh, it does not have the role of a messiah. Uh, it's not supposed to proclaim salvation by law or salvation by works. No, its function is to restrain evil. That's the point, is to provide justice. 
It's supposed to provide a system of law in which men can work out their salvations or their damnation with fear and trembling. It's supposed to stay out of the way and let the church and the family work. Let the leaven uh, leaven up the whole loaf. Uh, The civil magistrate is supposed to suppress evil. It's supposed to suppress violence and fraud and stealing. The civil magistrate is supposed to enforce God's peace treaty with men or God's judgment is going to be visited upon that city. Uh, the state's function is ministerial. What do I mean by that? If, it's a, if you're a minister, what are you? Um, enforcer. You're what? Enforcer. No, not necessarily. That could be one of your ministries. Hmm? A servant. Yeah, you're supposed to serve. So the state's function is service. It's not salvational. Uh, the state is supposed to restrain evil. That's their job. They're, it's not their job to create good men. That's not the state's job. Okay? What do you think the state's prison system is trying to do right now? They're trying to create good men for, by putting them in prison cells and making them think about what they've done for 20 and 30 years. doesn't work. Time out. Exactly. It's 30 years of time out or however long their sentence is. Rehabilitation is the word for the state. That's not their job. Their, their job isn't, isn't to rehabilitate people. That's God's job. Um, it's supposed to restrain evil. And when the state seeks to become a way of salvation, the exact opposite happens. It produces hell on earth. That's what it does. Um, as do what? Yes, it produces a world like 1984. Right. Um, as societies become larger and more complex, the civil government has to remain decentralized in order to achieve its goal of maintaining peace in society. So the idea that complex societies require more centralized state intervention is absolutely ridiculous. That's what socialists argue for, and it's ridiculous. It never works. It's always the more complex a society becomes, the less the state's officials uh, can direct the society. Uh, and, but they don't get it. They think they can still direct society in a centralized way, even when the society grows and grows and grows. You know, it's like, um, let's say you went to like the, the town circus and there's always a juggling act, right? This guy's on a unicycle. He's juggling like two tennis balls. And then somebody else throws a bowling pin in there and he's trying to juggle that. And somebody tries to throw an orange in and, and, and he tries to juggle that and plates and all that. Eventually, there's only going to be so much juggling he can do. All the, and all the stuff's going to fall to the ground, right? Including himself because he's on a unicycle, right? Uh, that's what the civil government is trying to do as the state, as the society becomes more complex. Well, we can just juggle more. We can juggle more. That's not your job. And you're not very good at juggling. You're not, let's say somebody's doing that at certain, they're not a juggler. There's just some random person from the stands that decides to, I'm going to do a juggling act for you. And then, you know, all of a sudden, other circus members are just throwing things at them to juggle. It's not going to work. But that's what our civil government thinks they can do. They think they're a juggler when they're not. Um, <clears throat> it's only by self-government under God's law that a complex and developing society can regulate itself. Okay, as a uh, French social philosopher, uh, Lemonius said in the 1830s, he said this, centralization produces apoplexy at the center and anemia at the extremities. Now, what, is, what does that mean? <coughs> apoplexy. Anybody knows what that means? I'll give you Pastor Scott's South Louisiana Cajun definition, but I'm going to give you a, 
a new Oxford definition. Uh, apoplexy basically means unconsciousness or incapacity resulting from a cerebral hemorrhage or stroke. So basically, uh, centralization produces uh, unconsciousness at the center. You think the federal government has any idea what's going on in the rest of the United States? Like, really? They're so wrapped up in their world of just bureaucracy and the lust for power. You know, they're still getting all our tax money. So, you know, they are lining their pockets up with so much, so much money and so many benefits. You think they know what's going on with the, rest of the gov- with the rest of the nation? You think they can govern them rightly? No, absolutely not. So we can say they're apoplectic. Um, and then there's anemia at the extremities. You know, the, the people in, you know, way out in Timbuktu, they may need some help with some things. Uh, and they may, they may not even have a police department. Um, and they may not have any of their needs served that the, gov- the civil government can serve. Uh, but you think they have the, the civil government has the ability to serve them whenever everything's centralized? No, it's like Moses in, in Israel all over again. You know, you think, you know, Joe Blow, who owes another guy 200 bucks, and, you know, the guy's not seeing his money, the guy's not paying him. You know, and the only person that could try the case and say, hey, you're, you're uh, demanded to give them $200, otherwise you're going to go to jail. Uh, you think they can, I mean, Moses isn't going to be able to see them for another 10 years. You think he's getting helped? No, there's anemia at the extremities. So that's what that means. There's apoplexy at the center, anemia at the extremities. And it's a pyramid society. You know, I've heard of like a a pyramid scheme, right? You know, but the whole, what if the whole society is like that? A pyramid society is the society of Satan. It can't succeed. Every time you see a civil government or somebody ran by pagans or by the kingdom of darkness under the surface, it always resembles a pyramid all the time. Um, You know, always think of the Illuminati. Mm -hmm. What do they have as their symbol? Pyramid. Goodness gracious. It can't be more obvious to me that this is a uh, satanic satanic doctrines and organizations. So, So pyramids... Uh, what are some other famous pyramids? There's the pyramids in Egypt, right? You think they built that, that pyramid by accident? They meant to build it like that. The Great Pyramid of Egypt was a representation of the whole world. That means central government here, the gods here, goes down to everybody else. Only one at the top. Right. And so the basic principle behind what we know as occultism, black magic, that reverses the order of uh, God's established order on earth. Uh, Instead of saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, occultism says what? Our will be done in heaven as it is on earth. It's totally upside down. And so the occult, I think I said that a few weeks back, like as far as the pyramid. I think I wrote Satan in the middle of it. Pyramid... Satan. That's true. It's true. Anything resembling a pyramid, any organizational structure that resembles a pyramid, you know, if it's out of business, don't say, that's from Satan. Don't say that immediately, but it's probably not a good idea. Uh, Nothing like with a centralized head usually works. Okay. Um, What else can I say about this? Um, I think of the Great Pyramids. That was their worldview, like totally top, top down. Sort of thing, huh? They thought Pharaoh was a god. Huh? They thought 
Pharaoh was a God man. Yeah, he was, he was the link between heaven and earth. Uh, they fought that with the Tower of Babel. That was another representative pagan structure. Uh, you know, it looked like it was a Babylonian ziggurat. Uh, and it had a tower made up of these circles that kept spiraling up. And that looks like a ladder to heaven, right? And so that's, that's a total, that's a perfect visual representation of the theology that Satan offered to Adam. That's right there in the tower. Autonomous man's way to heaven. Uh, the tower was a link between heaven and earth, but it was one that men built, not God. Now, God did link heaven and earth, but how did he do it? Through Christ. He did it. He did it bottom up. He did it. He made, uh, you know, the son in the triune Godhead uh, became a man and linked heaven and earth in salvation. But this, uh, the Tower of Babel was man's attempt to try to do that on his own by his own standards. And so we have our civil governments, our modern civil governments, acting that way. Um, the biblical principle of civil government, and this is the exact opposite of the one that governs secret societies and things. Uh, Matthew five fourteen through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? So have you ever noticed like all these evil, uh, like secret societies, they have like secret handshakes and they do everything at night and in the dark. Well, there's a reason for that. They hate Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. That's the total opposite of God's kingdom. All of all the kingdom of God's works should be right there out in the open uh, for everybody to see because we're people of the day. We're not people of the night. And the whole secret handshake, the inner circle, uh, the, the initiation rites and all of that stuff, that is Satan's rival program to God's system of hierarchies. It's, it's, uh, it's his rival program to God's revealed law, real, revealed law and, it's, and open evangelism in the daylight. And we as Christians should be able to identify that rival kingdom in this world and understand the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And I hope that's what the education you're getting at CCA is doing for you. I hope that by the end of this, you will definitely be able to understand the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And you can see it everywhere. Once you see it, you're not going to be able to unsee it. You see it all over the place. Like 1984 and Animal Farm and all of these dystopian novels, they really do help with that sort of thing. But here's the problem with George Orwell. He doesn't give a solution to the problem. He doesn't give any solution. There's no biblical solution. There's no hope in this. We're just, it's just doomed. He wasn't a Christian. He didn't have a biblical worldview. But he, he at least did have enough common grace, I guess, to identify a, a problem, a potential problem. He saw where things were going, but he didn't have any solution to it. He couldn't fix it. What I'm saying is God has a way to fix it, and it's all found in the Bible. And, and we have to do the work necessary on this earth to really make, uh, to really be able to say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.